0: Welcome back to reality 2.0. I'm Catherine Druckman. Doc Searles is not joining us today because he has other things to do. So today it's just me and our guest who is a frequent guest but we haven't heard from him, him in a while and that is Petros Ketupas who I'm sure you remember from all of the many many episodes where we uh didn't well you know we you've been on so many different ones we covered a lot of different topics but i feel like most of the ones you've been on we were kind of just shooting the breeze when we didn't really get into we've, we've never really talked about your work have we i don't think we have
1: uh, not too much anecdotally yeah. here and there maybe very little very little
0: yeah. and yeah, I,
1: I like to be private about my personal life
0: well we're not talking i'm about kidding to i'm kidding but you know we're you, it's like, all it's out there shame. on the internet it is everything. Just but it's a shame because you're the famous Petros Ketupis. Famous. Yes. <laughs> Long time Well, you know what? If you, you wrote all the good container articles, I mean, that exist in the world. Okay. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but, but you are the benevolent dictator for life of a project called rapid disc. That is a thing that you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. All right. It's a project that uh, goes way back. Um,
0: when did you start it?
1: <clears throat> actually that's that's it's got a bit of a background back a uh, bit of a backstory backstory that I think we have time for but yeah.
0: um, well, you know what I think I think because doc's not here, I think and you know for a lot of reasons and I didn't even go through the extra intro, so this is gonna be a little casual short episode and I think that's fine.
1: Yeah it actually started about. What year was it? In 2009, I, and I can share the links to this. In 2009, I had written an article for a magazine called Linux Plus Magazine. I don't know if you remember that. It was like Linux Plus DVD. And it was, it was a Mm -hmm. uh, European-based-
0: big, like super glossy different format. And it always came with a DVD.
1: Exactly. That's why it was called Linux Plus DVD. (laughs) It always came with the DVD that it had, I don't know, whatever popular- uh, distribution versions were were out at the time, but <clears throat> I had written an article called "The Linux Ram Disk," and I highlight all of the different types of uh, RAM-based file systems and RAM disks that are built in the uh, built into the Linux kernel at the time. And towards the very end of that article, I had provided a uh, a, a Linux kernel module example of just a RAM drive, so somebody was able to use this uh, this this code example and, um, and 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 compile it and insert it into their kernel, and, and voila! You know they have a uh, a a RAM drive. I had provided this, um, a tarball of this on my website. And eventually, over time, by what year was it? 2010, I uploaded it to SourceForge and I moved a, uh, my CVS repository into SourceForge, where it was, you know, you were getting people noticing it here and there, contributing it back. But at the same time, I said, there's gotta be something more to this. So as a separate project inspired by this and inspired by the Solaris RAM disk admin, and, and this goes way back. So I, I don't know how many of our listeners have experience with Solaris, but you know, their RAM disk admin utility, it provided certain features and functions that the Linux kernel did not have when it comes to dynamically, you know, creating, and um, destroying RAM drives. So I decided to write it. I wrote this module based off of that, but also um, somewhat similar to the BRD implementation in the kernel source. Although I don't think it was referred to as BRD at the time. I think it was just referred to as RD for, you know, RAM disk. But Initially, I hosted this Git uh, repository. Well, no, I had built this for uh, a startup at the time. The startup failed. And eventually, by 2010 or 2011, I don't remember the years exactly, I decided to open source that uh, rapid disk code in, um, you know, in GitHub, but I was self-hosting because at the time or I'm sorry in Git, but I was self-hosting at the time because GitHub wasn't was fairly new and wasn't very I mean I don't want to say it wasn't very popular but it, it was nowhere near as popular it wasn't as ubiquitous it, is <laughs> it, is, exactly. it is the thing now right it is the thing today and you know I continued the self hosting and it just became a bit of a headache it wasn't getting as much as exposure as I would have liked you know, to, for it to have, uh, I mean, although I was getting contributors and, 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 you know, some fairly good, you know, usage and, and, and download stats, but it wasn't until 2015 when I finally decided to move it to uh, GitHub that I was getting a lot more eyes on it, a lot more uh, community contributions, more people testing it and, and creating, you know, uh, tickets for, for, you know, bugs. And, you know, since then it's, it's just been growing, uh, both in contribution and in usage. And, you know, it amazes me to see how many people have reached out to me over time, uh, using it. I've gotten emails from people in, in using it in companies like HP or Micron or, uh, AMD, uh, it, to to various other startups. Uh, I've gotten emails from you know people in institutions like Virginia Tech or or MIT. You know, using it to you know At the time when they were using it, uh, SSDs or you know uh, you know flash drives, mm-hmm. but you know it's yeah. solid, solid state disks like the NAND based uh, flash drives. They were pretty expensive, and mm-hmm. this was a cheap way for them to you know, do their theoretical work um, and do it cheaply.
0: That's interesting. So can you, first of all, that must've been incredibly validating, but can it you was. talk a little bit about the use cases? Can you t- talk about what people were using it for anything particularly interesting or unexpected?
1: So the, and I should have gotten into the details of what it does. So thank you for calling me out on that.
0: <laughs> no problem.
1: Uh, so the, The project is um, it incorporates two kernel modules and a set of user space utilities. Uh, One kernel module isn't the evolution of that original uh, RAM drive that I had uh, featured in that one article from way back when. Um, And it, again, it's designed to dynamically allocate and deallocate um, you know, memory uh, and utilize it as a RAM disk. Uh, and, and it's you know thinly provisioned in the sense that it doesn't consume all of that memory you allocate. So if you have a two terabyte system, you can create a RAM disk that's four terabytes. Now, should you do that? No. Because it's going to eventually consume all the memory, you're going to page fault, and the you know the uh, there's going to be no memory for the kernel to, you know, um, you know have, and it's gonna it's gonna panic. But the point is, it it, it consumes memory as you make use of it, which is a, you know a nice design. But at the same time, there's the second module that allows you to uh, use that RAM drive as a front end cache. For a slower drive. So let's say you wanted to implement a read cache for a slower spinning disk. You can do that, you know, using these, you know, these, these modules. You know, the, the second module relies on device mapper to be able to, to, to you know, do those exact functions. But then the user space utilities do a lot more where they don't just only manage, you know, these drivers and you being able to, you know, in a user-friendly way create, you know, these, these, these drives or map these RAM drives to disks, but it also has a daemon, which allows you to do this over an API over the network, right? You know, there's a rest API implementation that you're able to do this. And, um, and then, you know, more recently in the last year or two, I, I incorporated functions to be able to export these drives as um, NVMe targets to, you know, remote systems. So now you can set up a server, at, you know, create these these large, you know, uh, RAM drives, and then map those to other nodes, and uh, the other nodes will treat them as NVMe drives. So that's, uh, you know, pretty much your, uh, you know, your general use use cases.
0: And why do I uh,
1: need that? Why do you need it? Well, <laughs> you know, it, it makes more okay, sense. maybe not me. In but... the data center, it makes more sense in the data yeah. center. But okay. there are a lot of users that have not only reached out, but at the same time have contributed code to be able to do that for your local systems. Like, you know, you want your, you want to be able to create a nice read cache for your your root drive. They've um, they've implemented uh, you know some um, some scripts, some bash scripts to be able to do all that magic uh, for you that's now part of the uh, uh, the, the disk uh, repository in GitHub. So you know, there are uses even for the end user, although it, it's, it makes more sense in a data center, you know running on servers in a server environment. That was what it was originally designed for. That original startup that I had uh, originally written Rapid Disk for was to create RAM drives and map them over iSCSI. So okay. end users or people you know downloading this code have found their own um, ways to make use of it.
0: Okay, so here's something I'm curious about. Um, so this is not your day job. You, you do something else. Do you, yeah. do you actually, uh, do you bring this uh, project at all into the work that you do full time?
1: No, no, uh-huh. I, I, none of my employers have found uh, use for this uh, project And ironically, you know, I've been in the data storage industry for a very long time, but would I like for an employer to pick it up? Sure. I mean, that would be sure. great.
0: If they had a use for that, it. Okay.
1: If they had a use for it, exactly.
0: So so then given that, um, and it is still a, it's a small scale project, like it as, is. How it many is. contributors it's, it's not... have you gotten over the course of, of the life of your of the project?
1: See, that's and that that's that's a hard
0: or have you even counted?
1: That's a hard question to answer, only because I did get a decent amount of contribution when I was self-hosting.
0: Mm, okay
1: and um i'm sure i can look at the git history to 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 yeah, dig so, some so of that can up. our
0: so can our listeners for that matter we will have but, a link obviously to your repo how much time do you do you end up spending on on this project
1: uh it you know now since the project is very mature i don't really spend too much time unless uh, someone asks for a very reasonable feature or function, or uh, when I need to do maintenance updates to to update it to the uh, the the latest kernel.
0: Right. So you know
1: the kernel, believe it or not, and and it does become frustrating. A lot of you know the a lot of its core functions that I rely on uh, will just will just change. Oh and, sure, you know, of
0: course, yeah, yeah always under active development um so 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 given that i'm i'm just kind of wondering i think this conversation is interesting because we talk a lot about big projects right contributing to to large projects with established communities and you know codes of conduct and, and contributor documentation and all of those things and i you know i think it's kind of interesting to think of of how many projects are out there that are probably used for in in Big ways, and in ways that that maybe companies or universities or, or whatnot um, actually have maybe heavily rely on, for all we know, um, that are just kind of out there, maintained by one guy, one Petros, and um, yeah, I think it's uh, you're you're kind of the lifeblood of open source because you know everything we do has so many dependencies now. It's no, you know, nobody's an island. And we all depend on each other. And when you have, it's that XKCD. Is it XKCD? So there's a cartoon where you know yeah. some major project is being held up by this, and there's a label, and it's like this one project main, you know, semi maintained by one dude that's largely been abandoned since uh, 2011 or so. I can't remember that. I'm making this up as I go, but, but, but that is kind of the idea. So I wonder, like, how, what keeps you going? Like, do you, do you? I, I know. You're, you're a nice person. So when people, like you say, ask for a reasonable feature request, you're probably gonna jump in and, and have some fun with it. But I wonder how, if you have your own sort of personal vision or roadmap or, or ideas about, about what you would like to do with it in the future. Do you do, you do all of that? Or do you just kind of wait for, for people to ask?
1: I, uh, with regards to this project, no, I don't really have a roadmap. Because like I said, it uh, the, the, the code is pretty stable and mature at this point. And, you know, I, I don't really want to alter it too much only because of the fact that, it, you know, users have been using it a certain way for so long. And I don't want to pull the rug from sure, underneath yeah, them, yeah. especially if they're using it in a production environment. I've done that at least once already with the code. And I it was with a major release. I think when I released 7.0, I re-implemented the um, the whole you know command line management utility. But <laughs> for those who needed to continue using the old way of doing things, I actually wrote a wrapper script that actually you know, was able to maintain those, those, those old parameters as a, um, you know, as a backup. But yeah, I, I don't want to do that again unless I have to. Um, so I, I don't want to do, you know, too many big changes, which is why right now it's just, you know, little features, little, little functions, you know, maybe an extra iOctal in the module or, you know, some add-ons to what's already there. Um, but you know, when it comes to roadmaps, and and, and this this is not um, you know something that's you know too public yet. But you know, there is a separate effort that I am you know sort of working on on the side that makes use of this Rapid Disk project by providing these roadmap like you know uh, uh, milestones or, or features. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a completely separate effort. And then something that I'm actually focusing on as part of a quote unquote potential startup. So that's, I'm kind of operating more in stealth come, mode. Right? Yeah. More yeah, to come more That's to come. In, in stealth mode right now. Watch so.
0: this space. Yeah, that's, well, I, you know, I understand again, as a, as an individual without a huge support system you know, to help you maintain this thing. Uh, every major release is, is, is a, a massive amount of debt for you. It's, you know, you have a, you feel obligated, obviously, I'm sure to support people who have you know, taken the, <laughs> make made the effort to use this thing you wrote and you don't want to, yeah, you cut them off. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great challenge too. Right. I mean, even, even if at some point you want, you need to, to fully deprecate a previous version. Um, I mean, that's a massive challenge even for a team of people, but so for an individual, I would, I would think that's uh that's quite yeah. a feat.
1: You know, it's, it's like, and, and again, we mentioned this in the beginning, it's not a, it's not a huge project, but you know, it's, 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 it's enough. It's got enough of a user base where, you know, I need to pay attention to this, these, you know, mm-hmm. these details. It's never going to be like, you know, ZFS on Linux, you know, uh, <laughs> project. I mean, just out of the gate, that one was, you know, that one had a, a, a very large community. But, um, you know, there are many other projects that are like that or or so in between.
0: Here's a, here's a question. Um, so, of course, open source is everywhere now. And, and I think um, some of us have been users and, or contributors or, or you know, what have you to open source software for a very long time, but not everybody has, right? It's for some people, um, uh, interacting with open source maintainers is, is a very new, new concept and people can make missteps. Um, where I'm going with this is that there was an example, I think a lot of people, maybe some of our listeners saw this on Twitter. Um, a guy I, I actually know from the Drupal community tweeted uh, his name is Jeff Geerling, by the way, and we'll have a link to this, but um, he was actually contacted by a representative of a company that used one of his open source projects and they sent him a questionnaire. I think it was an accident. I mean, you can kind of read the thread, but I think it ended up being kind of an accident. Like they just kind of, oops, um, and, and were cool about it, but they sent an a-, a questionnaire for for to the maintainer of this software package that they wanted to incorporate into something they were doing and it was this it was basically like asking an open source maintainer to do some corporate due diligence or something you know and it's it it, what amused me about it was just like it's an honest mistake people just don't necessarily you don't you're not born understanding how to interact with open source maintainers um but it, is, it was interesting because I, it made me think immediately as people like you, you know, people who were maintaining these solo projects out there that may in fact be be used by a big company somewhere, and you may you may not even know who is heavily depending on your your project. And um, I don't know. I thought I thought maybe we would talk about that. What you know, has anything any, even close to that happened to you, where people aren't really familiar with the etiquette around open source or 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 um, yeah, something like I- that.
1: I've had a few experiences, but for the most part, you know, most of my interactions tend to be, you know, mostly, you know, decent. And I, I tend to be a, I'd like to think an easygoing uh, individual when it, when it comes to just, you know, working with me on this project. If, if the, the, the person that I'm working with has, like I said, a reasonable request or, you know, they want to contribute, you know, uh, code and the code looks good. I'm, I'm usually pretty, pretty uh, easygoing uh, when it comes to, to working with them. Uh, but yeah, this, this, this checklist that uh, was on Twitter, it reminds me of, you know, every company that I've worked for that um, leverages open source which is pretty much every company that I've worked for in the last at a minimum 12 years we've you know used linux and open source and we need to do our due diligence to ensure that we comply with like every aspect of that license so we have an entire legal team. You know, we do we we do like scrubbing of the you know code to make sure that everything is what it needs to be and where it needs to be. We need to make sure that everything you know everything is checkmarked. And and this this sort of reminds me of this. And, and you're right. He, they it looked like it looks like it was probably a, you know sent an error, but uh, it is still entertaining.
0: Yeah it's just you know again it's people people who may not be as familiar with the sort of the the uh, unspoken social contract or or the spoken social contract where they very clearly written social contracts around open source um you know so it had a little checklist of projects they needed to to get these sign-offs on and, and treated basically the entire list as, as a vendor and um yeah anyway thought it was hilarious go check it out uh on twitter follow the whole story let us know what you think tell while you're there tell jeff he's awesome um because he's out there maintaining stuff just like petros and and they do it because they love it and they're good at it so so yeah so so let's talk a little bit more about uh how you know so what other have you ever contributed to a related project as a result of rapid disc? Cause have you ever needed to go upstream and go, Oh, Hey, you know, I need to interact with that. Can I make a pull request on this other thing? Or has that never been necessary?
1: Not, not specific to that project. No.
0: Okay. So. It oh, must be yeah. nice, nicely contained then. In place well, I the mean,
1: others. it, it, there isn't, I mean, it's sort of unique in what it does. Uh, again it was modeled it was modeled after you know the the open Solaris ram disk implementation and and borrows you know a little bit from the in kernel one and just kind of you know evolved into its own thing but yeah it's it's
0: but you well, have contributed to open source projects other than your own. yeah yeah I mean they,
1: you, yeah in in the Linux kernel and uh, I've contributed code to the I'm going to mention again, ZFS on Linux uh, project. Uh, what else? I mean, the, even like little utilities, like testing utilities and and, and and things that are typically data storage related, since that's sort of, again, the industry that I've been in for, you know, ever since I got out of college in the, or even while I was interning in college during the uh, early aughts.
0: So while you, so it, in the process of doing that, do you feel like any of those projects were particularly um, easy or welcoming? Mm. Are there for, for uh, new contributors? I wonder if you, if you could think of anything where where a pro- project or or a maintainer was doing something especially well. Because I find that that's you know that's always a challenge when you're 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 trying to encourage new contribution. You, you know maybe you just need some help maintaining your thing. It, sometimes you know these pro- projects can grow beyond what one person can deal with and so I think you need to um, you know make things as easy as, as you can for the people who are willing to help so if there's anyone yeah. that we can point people to that's that's uh, I mean I'll, I'll say Drupal I think does a really great job job of I mean again we're talking about a huge project but the, I think is doing a really great job of encouraging new contributors and and, and easing the process and handholding and mentoring and, and all of that
1: yeah I don't know that I personally have experienced that myself, the, (laughs) and, and you know what, it's like this for a reason. So I'm not saying this in a negative way, but, you know, I, like I said before the, the Linux kernel, you know, I've contributed code to that. And depending on the subsystem, you have different maintainers, Mm -hmm. you know, you have one maintainer that, you know, focuses on, you know, this module, or this entire subsystem that incorporates many modules, and some of those people tend to be easier to work with than others. Then, and, and those others sometimes are just rude as hell. I'm sorry. And
0: they're they're gatekeepers,
1: yeah. Yeah, they're gatekeepers, they, they, but it's it's they want good... their
0: elite code to be pristine.
1: Exactly, and and I don't. When it comes to something like the Linux kernel, I can understand that you want good code to make it to get merged in right if it's not good code then there's a risk that
0: right you know but again that, nobody's born writing good code either no you no
1: know, so in order it, for a
0: project to be sustainable you need to make sure you've got enough contributors to replace the inevitable contributors who burn out
1: exactly but i i can't say that i've had experience you know where somebody's like hey this is how you do things and then they put your their arm around your shoulder and then they Sort, well, of guide are, you, sort of guide you, you know. <laughs> there <laughs> are
0: different ways to do that. Good documentation is, a, is, a, I know, is probably I half know. of it. They don't necessarily have to like come to your house and wash your dishes while you write code or anything.
1: I wish they would.
0: That would be cool, right? That's a great idea. I just thought of it.
1: <laughs> open source dishwasher. There you go.
0: I like it. I like it. So, uh, so yeah. So, it's, so, what else is going on? What, what else is going on in your world of open source here's a question for you do you if you could go back in time and, and give some advice to your younger self and thereby give advice to to people who are maybe aspiring to to create a fabulous highly regarded open source project like yours um what would you what, what would you tell them just do it okay well no, i'm sorry. kidding
1: i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Scratch own inch. I don't know. If I could go back uh, to, you know, in time to tell myself something, what would it be relating to open source? I don't know. I, I really don't know because a lot of it, you know, it was, it, you know, it was a learning process. Right. Yeah. Just like you said, someone, you know, coming out of the gate, coming out of school or, or just starting to learn, you know, the ropes, mm-hmm. they don't know all this stuff early on. So yeah. it was a learning process. And even the technology itself, when I was doing it was was new and was evolving. I mean, like I said, when when I started, you know, hosting you know, my code initially, it was on CVS. Mm-hmm. CVS yep. sucks. I remember that. Yeah, it it's a work. horrible, horrible, no, it
0: horrible, I used it you know, too. version yeah,
1: no, control system. Awful. But at the time um, when I started, you know, use, you know, writing the 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 Rapid Disk, you know, code, Git was around, but Git was newish.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, GitHub came, you know, ar- out around that time, utilizing Git, and that was newish and everything was just still new. So it was just a learning process. So if I were to give myself some advice, I would be like, learn harder, damn it.
0: <laughs> learn harder. <laughs> well, that's a t-shirt. Um. So <laughs> speaking of everything being new at some point, how much, I mean, you, you wrote this from scratch or like, how much did you borrow from other things or what, why, why did you start your own project rather than contribute to another one that you might, or is it, was it too hard to get somebody else to, was I there borrowed, not anything close enough or?
1: I borrowed very little bit from the in-kernel RAM drive implementation okay. and then just built, you know, brand new code around right. it. Because um, there just
0: wasn't anything out there that, that you could Exactly. What you there
1: wasn't it. anything out there, but it was also an opportunity for me to do something on my own and learn, right? You know, mm-hmm. the best way. So it, I, at the Just time get some
0: code on the on the on the
1: screen. That, but at the time it's like I really want to write a kernel module. I want mm. to do something that is new, new to me, new out there, and I want to do it in the kernel space. And writing my own kernel module was the way to do it. And that's, that's just how I learned from there. So it was an excellent learning experience, not just for maintain, you know, building an open source project and then building a small community around it, but also learning, you know, the inner workings of kernel code and, and you know, how this, this module interacted with the kernel, you know, underneath the hood. So that in itself was, was a very valuable experience. Well,
0: that's very cool. Um, yeah, well, cool. I, you know, I, I think this is a good, a good overview for people of what it's like to be a a solo project lead out there working on your own, your own kind of passion project that, that ends up taking off at least a little bit. And now you're stuck with it forever.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, sort of, unless, unless a company comes in and says, we like what you're doing. We want to buy it. no. No, Would we they don't like think buy so. Buy
0: you, but do they get do they get to buy you too? Yeah,
1: they're gonna have to buy me and, too. You know, yeah, so. i i I'll be I'll be uh, for sale with the project. Got it.
0: Yes, of course.
1: That's how it usually works, isn't it?
0: Are, or how are you expensive or like relative to? I mean, what does that even mean? I don't know. I'm not. We'll a let cheap somebody. <laughs> yeah, we'll let we'll let uh, that person. Uh,
1: it depends on how many results. zeros are on that check. You know. <laughs>
0: Okay. Cool. Well, let's. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot too much anymore. Is there anything we have not covered that you wanted to cover and tell everybody about? Just do it. Okay. Yep. Get some code on your screen. Open a repo. It doesn't matter if it sucks. It's fine. Just get yeah. Some you
1: know, get GitHub. Like uh, I, I want to. I, I probably. I believe that GitHub is eighty-five percent abandoned code. Oh, so, God, yeah. So, you know, opening up a project is cheap. Yep. Maintaining you want it. To be
0: hidden. As long as you're comfortable with it being public and everybody else yeah. laughing at how bad you are at writing code. Oh, wait. Sorry. That's just me. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you, everybody who has listened for, for listening to Petros and Story. And uh, next time, I'm sure Doc will be back and we'll have some more interesting stuff to talk about. And yeah, let let us know what you think about about um, how to correctly interact with open source maintainers. I bet I bet uh, our listeners, you you guys out there, have some good stories. So yeah, thank you, and until next time, and thanks, Petros, for joining us today.
1: Thank you.